there's a, there's a novel called uh, 100 Years of Solitude. And um, it, it um, chronicles the life of a, of, of a village, a small village in Mexico. And this, this uh, village is called Macondo. I hope I pronounce it right and uh, there are no Mexicans here. But it, 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 it's a, it, it, goes, it takes you through the a domestic journey of this village. As they, as they come across a plague, uh, an, a, a insomnia, and uh, they, they go weeks and months without sleeping. As they go weeks and months without sleeping, they uh, face um, some uh, vital faculties begin to, to, um, to, to, to leave them, and they, they face the challenge of, um, of memory loss. They begin to lose uh, memory of vital things, things that are quite common, things that are familiar, things that, that, that would normally uh, they would use on a day-to-day -day basis, they begin to forget them. Um, they become, the things become f uh, foreign to them and uh, distance to, to them. And they, we, we meet this character in this novel, and this character's name is Orialano, um, uh, and he's a silversmith. As he continues to work in his shop, he realizes that I am forgetting certain things. The tool that I'm holding, I am forgetting it. So what he decides to do is that he writes the name of the tool whenever he remembers it. And he writes it and inscribes it on the tool so that he does not forget it next time. And he puts it down, then he begins to realize, I'm forgetting more tools. So he writes the name of every tool that is in his shop. He makes this a common practice and he goes to his house and he, and he goes to the door, he, say, he writes door. He goes to the chair, he writes chair. He goes to the, to the cups and uh, the pots, he writes cups and pots. He goes to his wife, wife, children, children. He goes everywhere because he's losing, he's, uh, he's losing uh, his memory. And so, the, so too the city is losing its memory. So what happens is that he makes it a common practice that the city does exactly that. Eventually, the city begins to forget who they are, where they come from. So eventually, they write Makondo, and eventually, on the highway, they write God exists. You may be asking yourself, why am I uh, telling you the story? All of you are the same as that picture or that story. We are challenged by memory. Our biggest enemy is memory. Our biggest enemy is, is, uh, is remembering who God is and what God has done for us. We can remember God working in our lives, the experiences that God has done in our lives, but in an instant, we can forget and start questioning whether God exists or whether God loves us. We can be in November last year, excited and happy, but we're in August and we're all downcast. Forgotten what God can do and who God is in our lives. Memory is a big challenge. It's something that we all have to face because it's all insidious. It's inside of us. We all have to face the fact that sometimes we forget. And God in his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, and in his, um, in his counsel decided that over the span of time and with a few individuals, he would make a collection called the Bible so that we would never forget who he is. And that is why it is important for us to, to go through the Bible. Because we cannot rely on our experiences, but we can rely 
on the Word of God and what God says about Himself. The Word of God is, 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 a, is a picture of who He is and how we ought to respond to what God is, is, is doing and doing, has done in our lives. But also, more than that, it's a letter that shows what God thinks about us and what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. So, the other day I was in a bank, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a bank, and as I, was, as I was standing there, I saw it written, value proposition. And today, I will try and uh, try my best to give you the value proposition of the Word of God. Why it is vitally important for you and me to go into the Word of God and stand on the Word of God. Can we turn to Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22? Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22. Today, um, we won't have scriptures on the screen. We are turning our Bibles. Okay, so Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them Within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. It begins by addressing us as sons and daughters. We are God's uh, family, and God is really interested in our lives. He, he's, um, he, he comes across to us as a father figure. Here uh, Solomon is writing because he's remembering the words of David, his father. So here, we, as we read this, we are remembering the heart of God and what God wants to do in our lives. And sometimes uh, I feel as Christians, we, as we go through the, the word of God, we, we, intend, we, we, we end up making it head knowledge rather than belief. Uh, oriented. We, we don't understand that God is interested in our life. The Bible says that as you incline your, your ear and your heart to the, to the words of God, the, it is life and health. It is life and health. Most Christians don't like hearing that because they just think, once I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. But they, they expect to live a miserable life here on earth. But God wants you to have life and health. Life and health. As you read the word of God, it is life and health. I like, I like the way it says it in the, in, the, in the message Bible. This is the only scripture that will come up on the screen. It's the one that we just read. It, it says, dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. It gives us a picture of the old radio types uh, where you had to tune to find a, free, uh, a channel, radio channel. So tune your, your ear to, to my voice, to, to the spirit and the heart of God. Tune your ear. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live. Really live. Body and soul. They are bursting with health. As the picture that Vesey gave us of a volcano uh, erupting, we, our lives, as we read the word of God, become, start bursting with life. 
Our, our, our lives are bursting with life and health. We are effervescent, uh, bubbling. Uh, like uh, when you open up champagne, you're bubbling forth and you're, 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 you're bursting with life and health. 3 John, the word of God says the following. It says, I pray that all goes well with you, that you may have life and that you may have health as you prosper in your soul. So your soul is very important. The way you are attentive to the word of God is very important for life and health. Life and health. That is very important. It is one thing that if you read that, you're saying, Lord, I want that. I want life and health. So I will go into your word. I will jump into your word. I will dedicate and be tuned into your word. I will meditate on your word. Amen. So, what does it take to be attentive to the word of God? If I want life and health, what does it take to be attentive to the word of God? It takes you reading the word of God and opening it up. And realizing that everything that's written in the word is for you. And you saying, I want this. It's not, it's not a story. It's just not a story. Because how many of people, how many of you know that God is not looking for people who know scripture verses, but he's looking for believers. That is what God is looking for. He's not looking for people who can recite the Bible, but he's looking for believers. That's what God is really, really looking for. That's what separated Abraham from all the other people, is that he had faith. He believed God. And you and I have to have faith in the Word of God. And as you read the Word of God, you begin to become courageous and confident and bold to ask God for certain things. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That word hearing is not a word that's, uh, that, that um, implies that you just listen and do nothing. It's just passive. You're doing nothing. It's hearing and doing. So faith comes by hearing and doing. You and I need, if we're going to have faith in God, we need to hear and do. And we see this in Luke uh, 17, verse 5 to 10, if we can turn there. Luke 17, verse 5 to 10. Luke 17, verse 5 to 10. Are we there? It says the following. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you, you could say to this mulberry tree. Um, the reason why he uses a mulberry tree is because it's a, it's, it's a deep-rooted, um, it's got a deep-rooted system. So it's very hard to uproot. It says, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would, be, it would obey, it obey you. Will any of you who has a servant love, uh, plowing the, and, or keeping the sheep say to him, when he has come in from the table, or from the field, sorry, come at once and he recline at the table, will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress you properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, you will, you, will eat, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So also you. Turn to your, to your neighbor and say, oh, so also you. 
So also you, when you have done all that is commanded, say we are unworthy servants, undeserving of praise or reward, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We have merely done what we ought to do. So in this, in this story, you are the servant. You are the servant. So you are not the, the master. You are not the person reclining on the table. You are the servant in this story. And Jesus begins the story, uh, the apostles begin by asking a question. And if you've been with us on, uh, on Tuesday, you, you realize that there are, there are three literate styles of the Bible. The first one is narrative. Second is poetry. The third is discourse. So Jesus gets into a discourse with his servants and um, with his apostles. And, and he, he says to them, um, who of you having a servant? So he, he asks them a question so that they can come to a logical answer. And the, the, the thing we need to realize is Romans 12 says that Romans 12 says that all of us have the measure of faith, not a measure of faith, but the measure of faith. In Second in Peter um, 1, it says that um, we have all precious, we have all like precious faith. You have the same faith as Peter. You have the same faith as Paul. You have the same faith as all the apostles. But the the problem is how you use it. The best way I can explain it is we all have the same 24 hours. But some use the 24 hours, either they use 8 hours of the 24 hours. Others use 10 hours of the 20, 24 hours. Others use no hours in the 24 hours. We all have biceps, but we all don't look like this. <laughs> Amen. So we all have faith. You and I have faith. And Jesus, when, he, when they ask the question, he does not correct them and say, you don't have faith. He actually directs their question. Does not correct it, but directs it. And he's, it's all about usage. And he says, who of you having a servant? Plowing. The first thing he, picture he gives us is a servant plowing and keeping and attending sheep. Plowing is a very hard job. Back in the days without tractors, it was very hard. It meant you going into the field and taking out the obstacles that were in the field. Tending meant you going and sleeping with the sheep, or go and walking with the sheep and uh, protecting the sheep from wolves and foxes. It was very, very hard. And you and I, need to plow when we read the Word of God. We need to get into the Word of God and start plowing. We need to shovel and work on the Word of God. What does it take to work and start doing some manual work in the Word? In Mark 4, it says, the Word of God says the following. It says, the sower goes out and sows seed. The sower in the story is Jesus Christ. The seed is the word of God. But he gives us four grounds that, that the seed falls onto. He says the seed, the word falls onto the wayside. This is the type of people who are by the way. They look at the word and say, oh, by the way, I need to. They, they don't put any importance to the word of God. 
They don't plow the, into the field that they are, they, 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 they are working on. All they, have, they do is just, oh, by the way, I have to read my Bible. And the seed falls onto the wayside, and the birds come and eat that seed. The second field that, falls, that the seed falls onto is the rocky ground. The rocky ground is the, that's the type of person who just does not want to learn. There's nothing else. He's learned everything in life. He's so hard and, and fast on, on the ideas or the theology that he has learned. There's nothing new he can learn. He's, he's uh, beyond learning. The word can never, fall. when the word falls onto his ground, he just puts it aside because he can't learn anything else. That rocky ground has not been plowed on. The third ground is the thorny ground. The ground where we are all consumed by the pressures of this world. The pressures and the, the, the difficulties of the, this world. We are the martyrs of this world. In, in Luke 10 verse 38, it talks about Martha. Where, where Martha was busy and serving Jesus Christ. He was, she was running up and down doing everything that was necessary in the kingdom to be done. And she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, aren't you a bit worried that I am busy walking and doing so many things for serving and, and preparing for you whilst Mary is sitting at your feet? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled with many things, but Mary has chosen the good portion, sitting and listening at the word. And making time to listen to the word. It is your duty and my duty to plow and be focused on reading the word of God. So what does it take? Well, what does it mean to plow? Number one, it means that you and I need to set time aside for us to read the word of God. We cannot be those who say, by the way, oh, by the way, I will read the word or, or I will not learn anything new. But we have to set time to read the Word of God. Set time to read the Word. The second thing is we need to set time to pray. An individual who prays sets or softens his heart to hear. We need to soften our hearts to hear from God. If we don't do that, we will, our grounds will never be plowed. Because remember, I said in that whole story in Mark 4, if you have a chance to read it at home, um, please do. The, 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 the critical uh, players in, that, in, the, in Mark 4 is Jesus, the sower, seed, the word, and you plowing the ground, the good ground. It will produce 60, 100, 90, 100 fold, 30, 60, 100 fold. When you are the good ground and you determine and you begin to work and say, Lord, I'm going to go into your word, you become the good ground. So as you begin to read the word, you'll be like the people of Makondo. Without the explicit, the, the, um, the, you just come across the, the simple words where it says, forgive. Forgive those who wrong you. Be reconciled to those who, who, who wrong you. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Those are the easy things to do. You and I need to work 
hard in those areas. It is so sad that in life, there are people who have, ris- who have risen the dead. They have healed the sick. They have uh, done some reconstru- uh, reconstructive miracles, but they have lagged in the simple area of reconciliation and relationships in their lives. Generals, God's generals, who did mighty things, but they lagged and did they, they, they like to do uh, or just didn't do the simple thing of plowing in their, in their field, in marriages, at work, and with their peers. Isn't it interesting? I found this interesting as I read uh, Ephesians 4 uh, this week. The Bible is so, it goes into the psychology of, of how man, and you, uh, and, uh, man was, was made and, and how man and women are. The Bible goes into all that psychology. In, in Ephesians 4, get the time to read that. It gives a whole passage of men loving their wives. It details, it puts it in so much detail. Men love your wives. Then at the end, it just says, wives, submit to your husbands. That's all it says. And I, I thought to myself, hey, is it so, so bad that we, we, we don't love or... Uh, that, that we need to be given this whole list of, of love in our wives and wives just told, submit. But here's the funny thing. Vesey spoke about it uh, two weeks ago. He said uh, women normally speak to, 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 uh, 25,000 words in a day. And men speak 12,500 uh, 12, words in a day. And Prince says, that's true, because he has a wife. Um, but God wants to train you. As you read the word, and you get that whole list, he's training you to, to he's training you and you're in the gym to be able to listen to your wife, because you are listening to that whole list. And for women, he's training them that the, 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 the full stop is actually God. You never, you shouldn't always have the full stop. So just, just always know that you will, you will not have the last word. God has the last word. That's why that's the last uh, verse in, the, in, in that chapter. So I found that interesting, going into all that psychology. But for men, it's, it, we are not by nature uh, lovers. We, are, we, we, we love through respect. And women, we, uh, they, 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 respect through, they, they respect through love. If you meet a man, um, they, they, uh, the way, if you ask them, uh, what do you love about your wife? They'll say, I love, I, I love the fact that she takes care of the children and she does the cooking. It's actually, he's, and she's literally possibly hearing, hey, he respects me that I take care of the children and because that's how we communicate. But as, Kilton, am I doing well? Because it's now a marriage seminar. Um, and, 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 and women, they, they, um, when you ask them, uh, do you respect or submit to your husband? Like, yeah, he, um, he, he spends time with me and so forth. Instead of them saying, hey, he brings, he brings uh, the money or whatever, he works hard and so forth. We are different. We are different. And the Bible looks at that. Looks at that and... We need to plow. As we read the Word of God, we need to go into the Word of God, and God will train us. It says, you of you having a servant, when he has plowed, you will tell him, sit down, and it's okay. You have worked. You have done everything that needs to be done. You have forgiven your, your enemies. 
you have loved your, your, all, all mankind and you, you have done well in your marriage and, and you're doing well at school by, by reconcilia, uh, reconciliation and uh, loving and, and, and being friendly and doing all the nice things that are just simply written in the Word of God, which we call the Logos of God. It's just written. You and I do not need any revelation in that place. But it says... When you have done all these things, prepare a table. You and I need to prepare a table. We need to prepare a moment for the word of God to sup and eat. Yes, God has, has given us uh, something to eat. He says, I have prepared a table for you, but you have to prepare a table for the word of God. You have to dress appropriately and you need to serve. The reason why a waiter would dress in a, in a certain way is because he's ready and waiting for the order. There comes a point when we move from the logos, the written, written word of God, and we move to the rhema, the spoken word of God, where God, and through using the logos, he begins to speak in our hearts, and we wait for the order, for God to tell us exactly what to do. In Hebrews 4, the Bible says they heard the message, but it did not benefit them because they did not mix it with faith. So if I come and I open the word of God and I begin to read the word of God, what do I need to do? I need to mix it with faith. I need to bring, as I come into the word of God, I need to bring faith to the word. I need to bring belief to the word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I have to bring my desires to the Word of God. I need to bring my inspiration and my ambitions to the Word of God. I need to bring my imaginations. I need to bring my I am in, into the Word of God. That's what I need to bring. So that I grow in confidence and in faith. As I see God doing certain things through His Word. I'm like, I can ask for even more. When you bring your faith, don't bring gourmet meal to, to the word of God. Bring a true African meal. A big idea, big desire, something that, that challenges God. And God says, says and you, you, he says, no, I can do even more than what you're asking. Abraham was, brought his desire of a child and God gave him. The stars. So you have to bring the word, your, your situation to the word of God and stand on the promises. The Bible says, when you have done all, then stand. You need to stand and you need to be like a waiter, waiting on the word of God, waiting for God to give you proper instruction that comes in through your heart. Amen. So that's what the word, that's why the word is so important. As I wait on the word of God and, and, and serve the word of God, it begins to work for me. What does it mean to stand? It means to, 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 uh, to meditate on the word of God, to put it in your heart. Thy word, I've, uh, thy, thy word I've hidden it into in my heart. I've hidden it. That's uh, uh, Psalms 119. I've hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden it. I've like a treasure. If you had to find treasure, what would you do? You would hide that treasure. 
So your word is so valuable. I will hide it in my heart. And the, when I hide the word in my heart, it begins to speak. It begins to speak and direct my life. So meditation, a simple example of what meditation is that's normally given is how a cow would chew the cud. How many people have heard that expression? Cow chewing the cud. I know uh, Charles knows, uh, Charles definitely would know about that. But uh, I, I, I hope I'll, I'll explain it uh, um, well. It's, it's when a cow eats uh, grass, it just doesn't eat grass and it goes into his stomach and boom, to city council. <laughs> it just doesn't do that. Amen. It's not like us. Okay. So it chews grass. And the grass goes into a, a certain part of a compartment, if I'd say that. Then, after some time, the grass, the cud now, goes back into its mouth, mouth, uh, mouth through the rumen muscles. And then it does that for, for eight hours, just continuously in a day. It's just continuously thinking and chewing and meditating and thinking. And it's all, in that whole process, it's still standing. It's just thinking thinking yeah thinking for 8 hours and that, the importance of meditating that that shows the importance of meditating you can just uh, turn to psalms 100 and um, psalms one, uh, psalms 1 psalms 1 quickly Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. We are not under the law, we are under grace and truth. Yeah, because Jesus has brought grace and truth. Moses brought the law. We are under grace and truth. So who delights in grace and truth, and on his grace and truth, he meditates day and night. He is like the tree planted by the streams of water that heals its fruit uh, in its season. Its leaf does not uh, wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In uh, Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, This book of the law, this book, the Bible, this book of grace and truth will not, will not depart. Let it not depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night. Night and day. When things are tough. When things are not going your way, when things are, are, are going up and down, when things are just not the way they seem, meditate upon it day and night, night and day, and be, be careful to do according to it. In that, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. There is success in this world, but there is, then there is good success. And so, when we read the Word of God, we find good success. And it brings value in our lives. Two things before I close. What the Word of God has done in my life. In 1988, at the age of eight, <laughs> I, I just moved to a school called Reps in Matopos. And some, somehow... On that, I don't know what happened, but we did not have a teacher for a couple of days. So, a teacher walked into the class and said, um, 
Be quiet, read something, the books are in the cabinet. I just remember that. So everyone rushed to the cabinet and they opened the cabinet. And as they opened the cabinet, they grabbed books and whatever was, was available. They grabbed Archie, they grabbed uh, the Marvel comics, the, the DC comics, they grabbed uh, Tintin, all the good stuff. They grabbed everything. And I was the last guy to, to get to the cabinet. And in that cabinet was a Bible. So I decided, oh, since that's the only thing, I took the Bible and went down and sat. It, sat, it went and sat down and began to read the Bible. Two, three weeks ago, Vesey spoke about an individual called Joash, Second Chronicles 24. I do not know up to today why, why I turned to and how I got to Second Chronicles 24. But I read about a seven-year-old who became king. I was roughly that age, eight years. And I realized, hey, this guy is now king and he's doing great and mighty things for God. And I continuously read that every day. And then I went to uh, Luke, um, Luke 2, read about Jesus at the age of 12, close to that age. I do not know why and how I got to those passages. But I read and I read. And it says at the end of the, the, that uh, chapter, it says, He grew up in stature and in wisdom and favor with God and man. And I remember, as I read that, I took the word. I took my desire. I went to the word, my desire. And I said, God, I want to grow up in stature, in wisdom and favor with you and man. I do not know why why I say this out of my mouth, Lord Jesus come into my life. Just from the word of God, I receive salvation. That's the greatest thing that has happened in my life. Second thing I've received just from the word of God. I read the book of Acts. No one told me this. <laughs> I was now age of 18. No one spoke about this. But as I read the book of Acts, I came across these guys were speaking in a funny language called tongues. No one, even, I know there's a dispute about do they exist now or don't they exist. You can't tell me they don't, they don't exist because I have an experience that you can't take away from me. And as I read that, I said, God, I'm coming to the word. I desire that. And as I prayed that night in my room, no one laying hands on me, no one saying anything, something hit me. And I spoke in a tongue that I never, I didn't know, I, I couldn't sleep the whole night. Imagine what, can, what else can happen from the word of God. When you just go into the word and just read it and put all your belief, it's good to recite the word. It's good to, to have the word hidden in you. 
but stand on that word, stand on the promises of God and say, Lord, these are mine. No one will ever be able to take, away, take it away from you. They can take this away from you, but it's inside your heart. It's hidden inside. When they can argue and say, this doesn't exist, or God doesn't heal, or God doesn't do this, but you can stand and say, but I believe he does all these things. That's the value of the word. That's the value. Guys, I know, I know things are tough. I know most of you are downcast what happened this week. But the word of God says the nations rage. The kings, they, they sit and, 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 and make counsel and they, they come against the people of God, the Lord and his anointed. The Psalms too. But God laughs in heaven. He looks at it and he laughs. And he looks at it and says, they do not know what they're doing. But I will rise my, raise myself up like a strong man and come up and stand against what they're doing because I will put them in confusion. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, friends, you know, you may think, You've lost hope and, and things, are not, um, things are not the way you expected they would turn out. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this for a fact. That we're headed for an interesting time throughout the whole of Africa. This I'm, I am certain of. I am very certain that God is going to do certain things throughout the whole of Africa. God is the one that we stand on. But I'm telling you. Certain things are going to be destabilized because he alone is the only person that's unshakable. He alone is the only person that cannot be moved. He alone is the only person that cannot be shaken. So certain things will be shaken because he is God. They say a cheater cannot change its, its, its uh, spots or leopard, or whatever, but God says, you know, I've given people time to change their spots, but there is a time when I hear the cry of my children, I hear them crying, and I have to stand and, and, and come up and like Paul and say, it is hard to kick against the goods. It's very hard to kick against the thorns. As the guys come up, guys, we are headed for an interesting time. Know this, that God is for us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And he alone is enthroned above. I would like us just to pray for, for the whole of Africa. Because I, as I'm just saying to you, that we are headed for some interesting times. In the, cup, in the coming months, we're really headed for some interesting times. Father, I thank you. I give you thanks and praise. Your word is sure. Your word is our foundation. Our, your word, you speak through your word, Father God. You speak through your word and your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting the bone and marrow, cutting soul and spirit. No man can hide from your word, for we have to give an account to it. 
So Father God, I give you thanks and praise. Though we may seem to be downcast, Lord God, we put our hope in you. We put our hope in the word and we stand on your word, on your promises. And we say, Father, we really, really want to live. We really want life and we really want health. So as we stand on your word, we give you thanks and praise, Father God. That, Lord God, you are shaking things that no man, Father God, can, can uh, withstand or, or you're putting things in place. You're putting all things in place, Father God. I give you thanks and praise, Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us. You never, never leave us nor forsake us. I give you thanks for your word. Putting all things in place, Father. That's what you're busy doing, Jesus. You're shaking our world and just love this word, Lord Jesus. For us to live in your word is the key. To live from your presence. You're putting all things in place. And I pray, Father, that the word of God will find its place in our lives. This morning, Lord, this is the desire we have as your people. It's no coincidence, Father, that you have been shaking our world through looking at the story of Nehemiah to get to this place today where we are, Lord God, almost arrested in our hearts to consider your word. Why would you do this, Lord God? Why would you be speaking to us so loudly about your word? Because your your desire is, Lord God, that the Word of God will find its place in our lives so that we can find our place in this world and speak the very oracles of God, the very truth from your Scripture, the very hope from your Word. So, Father, this morning, we long for our hearts to be open for the processes of your Spirit to take place and that the Word of God will be the very outcry of our lives to say, Lord, we want it. We long for it. We pattern our lives around your word. Around your word. I thank you this morning that as we prepare to meet around the table, it's so clear that in John 1 verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. And the Word is Jesus Christ who became the very heart of God amongst us by living. He came and set up His life amongst us so that we can see who God is. And so this morning as we consider Jesus, we pray, Spirit of God, that You will help us to understand and know who this Jesus is. And I want to ask you, Sharon, if you can try to get up Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, up on the screen for us. Because I'd love for us to meditate on this. I want you to look at this verse as you prepare your heart to break bread and to drink from that little cup. Hebrews 
and so much about scripture gives us an understanding of who Jesus is and it's that understanding that helps us to understand the reason and realize the reason why we break bread because it's about him that we drink from this little cup say the blood that he spilled on the cross was for my sins so that I can be forgiven and be made whole and this the bread that I break is his body that was broken for me and went through so much pain and turmoil so that I can be restored today. My relationship with Him and my relationship with people. So I want you to look at that verse. It says He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He, this Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. You look around the universe today, you look around Zimbabwe, and you think, is God in control? Read that, my friend. You look at your own life, and you look at your own mistakes, and your own failures, and your own sins, and it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the mighty God, the majesty, majesty on high. This is Jesus. This is just one verse. It's just one verse out of so many. Now you look at that. And you meditate on that. And it's like you take this Logos word, this written word, and you bring it to the table and you say, God, speak into my heart about who you are. Jesus, I want you to be real to me. And then you go to the table and you say, I want to celebrate you. I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for what you've done. It's not just words that I read. It's, it's written into my heart that nobody, as Clive had said, nobody can remove from you because it's there. It's there. You go into the world and you live this life and you're confronted with all the realities and it's, man, the radiance of God's glory the exact imprint of God came and He came to show to us that He is in control and that nothing that happens could ever change that. And on top of that, He came to remove my sins and I've got life. I've got purpose. I want to live it for Him. I want to celebrate breaking bread, drinking of the cup. It's Jesus. It's about Him. So why don't you do that? Why don't you meditate? Think, read, Let it sink in and then come to the table and receive and celebrate and honor and thank Him. Thank Him. The table is open for anyone that has a testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And we celebrate Him together today as friends. Table over there. Table here. God bless you.